My Family Thinks I'm Crazy, a podcast where I, your host, try to give you some tips on how you can explain all this weird, wild, crazy conspiracy stuff to the people you love most, because that's what I've been trying to do for the past 10 years with no success. I've been telling everybody that I give them in a shady, but every time I do, my family thinks I'm crazy. closest biological relative be our oldest adversary? Could the hairy gentle giant depicted in Hollyweird be the scarce remains of an ancient foe bent on possessing the souls of their quarry, waiting in the wilds for weary wanderers to overtake? The Sasquatch, the Skinwalker, the Wendigo, the Wild Man, the Yeti, or even the Nephilim. What if they're all one and the same? A single race of archaic menaces whose envy has led to their downfall and may foreshadow our own as homo sapiens give way for their successor. While we're still here, modern man in his never-ending curiosity for the unknown dances with the doomed, waiting for that confirmation at any cost. Today's guests are no different. One Nate Shavoya who's actively searching for Sasquatch and one Thomas Gorentz, the paranoid American, who uses AI and years of research expertise to scour all traces of the odd in recorded history while generating some trippy clickbait in his downtime. I'm Mystic Mark. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast with the Reality Czars. Man, I've always been obsessed with Bigfoot. Uh, I grew up in the Redwood Forest out, actually I grew up in Humboldt County, uh, uh, grew up in the Sequoia Giants, always out in the woods looking for Bigfoot. And you know, a few years ago, uh, we moved up here to the Oregon area and he's out here too. You know, we keep hearing stories about him and actually where we're at right now, we've heard, uh, we've had reported sightings. So we are going to find Bigfoot out here. Sasquatch is out here. Uh, I grew up, you know, looking for him my whole life. And so this has been like, my favorite cryptid has been Bigfoot. We are here with the right intentions. We're here with love and light, and we're here to call upon Bigfoot. I know that he's out here. I know that he's telepathic. I know that he can read all of our intentions and our thoughts, and we are out in the right place in the middle of nowhere. All right, ladies and gentlemen, here we are back again on the My Family Thinks Some Crazy podcast. And with me today is one half, the best half, the leading half of the Reality Czars podcast. He is Nate 
Shavoya, and he is here to talk about a bunch of things, specifically a new project that he is working on. This project is already out for your consumption. If you are a Rockfin supporter, for one low price, you can get both of our podcasts, but we'll get to that in a moment. For now, Nate, what's going on, brother? Welcome back to the show. How have you been? Yo, man, thank you for having me on. I've been great. I've been working my ass off. I have a brand new job. I was a chef for 15, 16 years, and I'm officially out of the food service industry for good. I'm, dude, I'm doing good. My kid is going to turn two here pretty soon. I'm getting old. I'm turning 35 in a couple months. So I'm getting old, dude. Look at these grays in my beard. Life is good. Life is right good. On. No complaints. Yeah. From Everybody's the, healthy and happy in the family. From the chef in the kitchen to the man in the shop. Now you're going to be doing a different line of work. That's interesting. And uh, that's cool to hear you got your family. I noticed your your family growing and manning up in this first episode that you put together your son i don't know if that's your son your stepson or what but he came along with you on this bigfoot hunt and i want to hear more about that man because i like the way you guys put it together i like how you structured it you didn't do like podcast style you did more like reality tv show style you had like the cut to an interview each moment i liked it but what came together to like plan this right you, you there's a few factors involved you got some friends maybe a, some bigfoot i guess uh, you can call them i guess, in counties i don't know what's the right term for someone who's already encountered a bigfoot but i like an the experiencer i think is typically yeah. what we call okay yeah. so an experiencer you have all these folks here and you're saying right from the gate which i love i want to highlight this that all right we're all be vibrating on this level of love and light because the Bigfoot is telepathic and it's going to know that we're cool and we're going to vibe with him. And so I've already said too much. How did this come together? Obviously you've talked to a bunch of really interesting people who've, some of them have seen Bigfoot. When did you get the idea to go out in the field? Well, I grew up in the Pacific Northwest, specifically in Northern California eureka california near the avenue of the giants and now i'm up here in portland and so sasquatch is very much out here like he is always out here and i grew up as like a young little thug idiot like growing pot when i was a teenager and stuff and so like if you talk to the old guys growing weed out there like out in the mountains they'll tell stories of the sasquatch that they would see like he's it's very much like taken for granted like sasquatch is real we see them every once in a while, like out in their fucking fields while they're growing weed. And, and so I just grew up definitely believing in Sasquatch and always looking for him. And, and then I had a guest come on. His name is Ben Ingram Tejada. And he had, he is a an author and he wrote a book. And he's also a, like a cryptozoologist as well. And he was, uh, we were talking and we realized like during the conversation that he lived like an hour away from me. And so me and him started getting together and we started our own little kind of group. We go by anomaly hunters. That's our YouTube channel. And you can check us out. We have lots of little shorts and little videos and all the full length videos out there. The documentaries are all out there for free. And we just started hunting, man. Like we've always, I've always wanted to do a big hunt. And so we went and did it and it was great. And like you said, I had my family incorporated, incorporated. I had my 16 year old son come with me and it, it was a blast. We had a great time. Right on. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I've seen this. I 
hate to call it a trend, but where podcasts are doing sort of in-person get-togethers with guests. And it's interesting, so many people started podcasts or got into podcasts during this time when we were all locked down. We had to use Zoom to get to know yeah, each other. Started in 2021. Right. Absolutely. And, and now that everything's sort of, I hate to say going back to normal, but feels so in some ways, people are getting out, doing things. And one of the results of this is that all the crypto nuts like me and you and we all found each other people who are interested in this kind of weird stuff and so i wonder if bigfoot dogman etc sightings have gone up since 2020 that's sort of the point i've been getting at here but do you you think that the cryptid activity in your particular area is something that you maybe experienced when you were younger? Or was it just stories you heard? Did you ever have anything that was kind of like, whoa, like that spooky when you're a kid, little memories that have come back now that you're getting out in the woods and doing this again? Well, <clears throat> if I had some experiences like that, I would have tried to block them out. Like I was raised really Pentecostal Christian and my mom was like teaching me to cast out demons from the time I was a little kid. And so like, if I would have like weird freaky experiments, like experiences, and I'd be like, get thee behind me, Satan in the name of Jesus. I would like cast out a room. I would like cast out, make all the demons leave and things like that. So I grew up a unique type of experience, I guess. And so I, all the demons would leave anything that was in the room. Hey, here's Thomas. So I don't really have any like crazy experiences when I was a kid, I guess, besides, well, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Thomas, how are you, buddy? Hey, sorry, guys. I had to be fashionably <laughs> late just for the dramatic entrance. That's fine. Yeah, we buddy. started only six minutes ago. We thought, well, he's not joining, so might as well just get on without him. But here you are in tow. I'm here, not, man. Yeah, not no, short I'm so behind us. Welcome back. You've been on the show a couple times before he is Thomas from paranoid American, the awesome comic book publishing outlet and now YouTube channel. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I just got monetized this week. So we'll, right we'll see on. how long yeah. that lasts. <laughs> right on. And I, of course, am starring in some way. Juan is the star. I'm the sidekick. I should be more humble. I'm the sidekick in the chosen one comic book series, which is still in the making so go and fund that on kickstarter if you want to see the next issue come out but uh, thomas welcome to the show you're not that late i was just asking nate here about his uh, childhood possibly fascination how this interest in cryptids blossomed do you have any similar sort of childhood interests like the way nate heard stories of this as a young stoner from the potheads growing out in the mountains they'd see sasquatch did you have any weird sort of rumors mine is all pop media man like mm. harry and the hendersons mm. convinced me that there was bigfoot and the <laughs> x-files convinced me that there was secret government operations okay and so almost i would say almost entirely it came from hollywood originally right and then I got one of my friends got the internet in the mid nineties in like 93 or 94. Mm. And I found my way onto, I want to say it was like sacredtext.org or mm. maybe it was like whale.to one of those OG conspiracy sites. And I found secret teachings of all ages and it just 
blew my tiny little teenage burnt out mind. Mm. And I think I started on that approach. It was more about fascination with secret societies, mesmerism, hypnotism, and then eventually like MK ultra mind control type stuff. And then that stuff dovetails heavy into occult and paranormal. So very, I was definitely never really on board with ghosts and Bigfoot and cryptids. I didn't really believe in a lot of that stuff, but I've definitely come around to all the things that I don't understand and all of these ancient and like historical accounts. It just feels flippant to be Mm. like, oh, no, that's not right because I've never seen it. So I'm more of a hardcore skeptic that has learned over time how stupid I am for being so convinced of things that turn out to just be perception. Mm. So I think Mm. that's more of my angle. Like, I'm not convinced the paranormal, but I'm convinced that humans are pretty gullible. So that's for good or bad. We'll try to sit and grin and bear it while Nate and I talk about Sasquatch then, but... (laughs) I'm all in on Sasquatch and the Florida skunk ape and stuff. Let me say this, though, because there is an angle that I was hoping to create a trajectory for during this conversation that would lead us possibly into the ancient realm, the world of the occult, and how that connects to Bigfoot. So I'm very glad you're here. I'm grateful that you joined us when you did. And now kind of getting back to what we're talking about when you jumped in here, going out to this particular region of the world, what are the conditions like? What you're doing, looking for Bigfoot, oh, yeah, it's lots of fun. Everybody thinks like, yeah, let's just go out and have a picnic and we might see Bigfoot. You had to prepare quite a bit. You got to prepare for what? Cold nights, possibly, maybe hot days where you're trekking with bags and gear. So what were the specifications before you even got going? Like, what was the planning for this like? Because we might inspire some people. It's summertime. People listening to this when it comes out, we might inspire them to go and start their own finding, cryptid finding journey. Absolutely, dude. I'm ADHD as a son of a bitch, and I try to use it as a superpower, but it can be a hindrance as well. So everything is last minute. Everything is by the seat of my pants, and that's just the way I make things happen. And we obviously brought a tent, and I brought my gun. We, I had a machete on my side and my side piece on me. <laughs> and we had we brought a drone, and we brought some, we, we just had some whatever we needed, beer and meat to barbecue. And we are out there ready to just find Sasquatch. So as far as like things that probably people should have, I don't know, dude, just be safe. (laughs) Just like maybe bring a compass, maybe bring, I don't know. Because where we go, like where Sasquatch is, you're going into some remote regions, dude. Like we had some hairy, we had a hairy journey just getting to the campsite because the roads are so treacherous. Just trying to get out there. Then once you get out there, you got to hike out to like, really be in the middle of nowhere dude we were like deep in the forest in like bonnie meadows in like southeast of mount hood which is one of the most beautiful pristine like places in the world and there is tons of sasquatch sightings out there i learned later on that i probably shouldn't have brought a gun with me looking for sasquatch which is interesting because he knows if you have a gun on you And we've had enough experiences now or talking with experiencers that have said things like he he knows if you have a gun on you, but he also knows your intentions. Right. So maybe it wasn't the worst thing in the world because 
I we were very much putting out peaceful and loving sort of vibes, right? We were like trying to communicate with him. Now the gun that was maybe that was another piece of advice is to get your mind right before you go. Yeah, like if you like just smash that ego. Well, like, and even having a gun to expose. You're not there to like reveal. Like you need to be there, ready to communicate. Yeah, I guess even having a gun, it's like the energy of fear is inevitably present, whether you're fearing the gun or using the gun because you're afraid there's an element of fear there inherently. I wonder if leaving the gun at your campsite would be a way to be safe at night when you need the gun potentially and also keep the Bigfoot from getting scared to... I don't know, come and give you a scratch and sniff, right? That's the element that I think is the most important is these things stink, right? So the idea is that they can somehow telepathically maybe even block our olfactory capabilities to hide, right? These are incredibly stealthy creatures. Have you heard... Things like that, those sorts of abilities in the experiencers, the sort of experiences you've heard from your interviews you've done? We have to talk about what Bigfoot is because there's so many different, like there's folks that are steadfast that he's a physical creature. And if you are suggesting otherwise, they will shut down and the conversation's over. Or if you're someone like me that's more open to him being more of an interdimensional being, so, yes, I absolutely think that he can he can choose the way that he is perceived and seen by you. And so I think that you can definitely I've had enough shots too, where like I, I should send it to you. My friend sent me a photo. He's an experiencer. His name is Scott, a Bigfoot that was that was hiding his hiding himself. He, Thomas, what's the word I'm looking for? Okay. What's that? Yeah. Cloaked. Yeah, they're cloaking Bigfoots. Visibility. Wild dude, where they, you see them and you can kind of see a shimmery image of the body. I think that, like, I don't know what these are. And so this is where, like, I have a lot of fun talking about different theories Mm. of what Bigfoot possibly could be and how this could be connected to paranormal in general and what the whole paranormal phenomenon is. Yeah. And so that's where I, that's my bread and butter. It's just having fun with this, like with these ideas. And now there's like different, once you kind of open up that, peel back that onion per se, you can kind of use different pieces from like the ghost hunting world, from like the UFO guys, the guys that are trying to communicate with aliens and all this sort of things. I think that all of these strategies should be used mm. for all of them. Like we were like trying to use like UFO sighting, like calling like, how they were using, and I can't think of that guy's name right now. Stephen like the Greer. Five or the CE4 meditations. Yeah. We were using that to try to communicate and like try to call Bigfoot to us and things like that. There's, I think that we should, there should like, dude, I think you can talk to Bigfoot with a Ouija board if he wanted to. I think he could talk to you through his spirit box. I think that like all of this is totally on the table. And I think that we should be trying all of this. And our good friend Chaz of the Dead agrees and is doing all this wild stuff. So there's some fun stuff, dude. Like this is, I want to think outside of the box. I think people have been in their own boxes for too long. And I think it's time to like throw it all out on the table. And I think that's how we're going to find Bigfoot. Mm. 
Yeah, it's interesting. I wonder the whole spectrum from Stephen Greer to Jeff Meldrum, right? Jeff Meldrum's the most academically sound Bigfoot researcher, but that's sort of an oxymoron because nobody in academia respects his, at least in his field, for the most part, respects his thoughts on this creature. Now, it kind of begs the question, because I've been doing all this research, you guys are both familiar, into Skull and Bones and how that secret society fits into a university that's espousing values of education and uplifting society. Thank you. Yes. The great synchronicity there that united us both. I love that comic book. It's just behind me too, right below the on the air thing. But anyways, I wondered how could such a group get into this Again, this university system that's supposed to be, at a whole, a totality beneficial. Obviously, any system is going to be corrupted. There's going to be flaws, sure. But we see Bigfoot, and that's just one example of where academia says, no, that's not real. There's no way that's real. Despite any evidence, we're not even going to look at that. You know, there's one rogue guy named Jeff Meldrum. Maybe there are others who aren't like on television as much as he is or as well known as he is. But for the most part, it's one of these subjects that's sort of blocked. And I wonder if that has anything to do with ancient history. And maybe I need a, a few more moments to explain why. And then you guys can reflect and comment. But I'd like to hear both of your thoughts on this. There's clearly secret societies at the beginning of a lot of these universities. And I wonder if these secret societies know about cryptids and other beings. And they're just sort of keeping it under wraps because they are secretly in communion with them somehow. Or have some sort of knowledge of them, an agreement with them, etc. Right? And we can speculate all day. But I wonder, because I'm listening to recently this podcast with a guest whose name I can't remember, but folks can go listen to Steven Snyder's The Farm Mach 2. It's a great podcast. He's talking to this guy about how clowns look like Nephilim, right? And he had this whole thing going on about how clowns and Nephilim are similar, and the whole clown motif was brought into the public consciousness by Freemasons because they secretly worship the Nephilim, right? And Thomas, you're Freemason. I know I'm not saying you're evil or that you worship Nephilim. No, we, we just worship Nephilim. <laughs> but, the, you know, according to this one guy, this is what's going on. And when you get into the Bigfoot topic, especially lately, I've heard this comparison a lot where people are saying, well, Nephilim might be Bigfoot, right? Because this, there's a similarity in how they're described and the Native Americans have giants in their lore. They also account for Sasquatch. They gave its name to our English language, right? Sasquatch. Yeah, I guess my question isn't really a question. I'm just kind of throwing this thought out there for you guys because it's been really stuck with me ever since I listened to Paul something. Paul Stobbs, and I think his YouTube channel is called Understanding Conspiracy, but he was on Steven Snyder's podcast, so folks can 
go and find that just to be sure. But yeah, what do you guys think about this possible like ancient explanation for Bigfoot maybe being like this thing from the Bible? I love it, man. I think it's super fucking fascinating. I, that guy sounds pretty interesting. I should probably reach out to him, try to talk to him. But as far as that goes, I've definitely heard those references to in the different theories and ideas about what Bigfoot could be as being like related to the Nephilim. Like if you take like this, if you take seriously the origin stories from the Sumerians about like the Anunnaki and different things like that, that the Anunnaki very well could have been the well, the Watchers, or, and we actually, that, that, that's kind of what I find, like, a fascinating kind of thought, that actually we're the Nephilim, and that the closer that we were blood-related, those guys were, like, the giants, or, like, the whole, like, the whole genetic experiments as far as, like, the Anunnaki getting here, or the Watchers getting here and doing genetic experiments and or procreating with some sort of early hominid that was here already. And we are that genetic experiment that we are like half God. We are a piece of God. We are like created in his image. Like I almost think that we are the Nephilim. And I think that's what Joel was saying too the other night. Right? Wasn't it Thomas? We were talking with Joel. I think that's a pretty distinct possibility. I think that we are probably the Nephilim, but I don't know that for a fact. And that maybe Sasquatch is our cousin, our related cousin that we've had to fight with or wipe out with, wipe out throughout time. And maybe that's why he hides from us. But when you're talking about like secret societies and you're talking about like different cults and their connections to this, like, dude, I love listening to Man, what's his name? What's his name? Tony Markle, when he was just on, he was just on Sam's podcast and talking about those different uh, secret societies yeah. that uh, like had to do with like the blood drinking, that, that whole like vampire thing and the lycanthropes. And mm. like, because I've definitely heard, I've talked to Chris Matthew about this. I've talked to a couple other folks about this. They were talking about actual secret societies that go and they meet up at these like really strange places in the middle of the woods and they do these like rituals and they summon like spiritually almost like a summoning ritual they'll they will communicate and like bring a sasquatch there and they'll hang out with him yeah like yeah. they know these different ways to do this i do i love this idea well i have no idea man, because <laughs> it, it, it goes with like so is he a spiritual entity that or is he a physical entity it's is funny he, you mentioned yeah, is that, he our though. long distance cousin we have all kinds of different ideas thomas what are your thoughts? Well, on this I want to hear Thomas's thoughts, but let me just because you you mentioned the tinfoil hat episode six eighty five, okay? And I just wanted to awesome be sure episode. so people can go and listen to that because it connected really weirdly to that other podcast I just mentioned on Stephen Snyder's show in the fact that there was like the symbolism with the hat man. You remember how that was an element of. That whole cult, Thomas. I don't know. Maybe you haven't listened oh, dude, to this. I want to go I back about to the, the clowns man. too, being the nephilim. We so, should talk about that too. In a yeah, minute. yeah. Oh, sorry. No, for sure. And I'm just going to be real brief because Thomas, I want you to reflect on all that. But the Hat Man, who was a member of this cult in the desert, that apparently this tent and people go listen to the episode for all the details. But the tent lifted up in the air and then disappeared into a portal. And in that other podcast about the Nephilim and the clown connection, they mentioned the hat man as like the ringleader or the orchestrator during the circus and the clowns being like agents of chaos. And that's what the Nephilim are. So, Thomas, without further ado. 
I love clowns and Nephilim theory, man. There's something to that. We have to dive deep into that one. Yes. Well, we could do it here. One thing that kind of connects to that is I've been seeing, and maybe you guys have seen this because we're all on three different parts of the country right now. Maybe you guys have seen this in front of people's lawns. And this isn't a Halloween thing. I saw it on Halloween, but now people are setting these things up and dressing them up in like tropical Hawaiian clothes for the summer. These giant skeletons, they're like 20 feet tall, 10, 15 feet tall, and people set them up with like suspension wires so that they don't fall over in their front yards, like very tall skeletons, like a just a skeleton. And it's not from like a movie, at least I, that I know of. It's not like, I don't know where this trend became, like maybe some artist invented this or something, but in Connecticut, where I live, in multiple different towns, on different parts of the state, I've seen these giant skeletons in people's front yards, and they dress them up for whatever occasion may be, but I thought it was a Halloween thing, and clearly not, and now I'm starting to think, what the, f is this a fucking Nephilim that they're, like, worshipping in secret on their front lawns? <laughs> or a social media thing, I would think. Yeah, that's Hidden in plain sight, dude. Yeah, that's, that's the trend. calling card. Yeah, the <laughs> trends, man. I mean, that's my my two favorite approaches at Bigfoot. I love the Harry Mary concept, so mm. that we had all of these biblical instances where maybe even Jesus was a Bigfoot. Yep. I think that one's just an interesting one because it sounds so crazy at the surface, but then when you actually see some of these medieval works of art where they truly have like a big hairy Mary and a big hairy Jesus. So there was clearly some kind of relation to what we would conceptualize as a Bigfoot. And I think that points out, I feel like one of the rules of Bigfoot, right? So Bigfoot can't just be a giant. He has to be hairy. He has to have like this woolly stinky sort of like fur to him, Harry and the Henderson style. So that makes Bigfoot something very specific and unique aside from Nephilim and giants, at least the way that we conventionally describe it. But another one along those veins that I always think of when Bigfoot comes up is the concept of 5% and nation of gods and earths and the big headed scientist named Jacob or Jacob, where he was grafting the original man, which were these giant, I think like nine foot sort of uh, like black people that lived underground. And he just keeps grafting them and trying to create the white race out of just constant cloning and grafting and genetic manipulation, but that those original people still live underground. There's still seven to nine foot people in these underground cities. And that just, sounds so damn close to so many of the Bigfoot stories where Bigfoot lives in these underground cavern systems. They might have advanced technology and that they're smart enough to stay away from human society because we're just complete agents of chaos and destruction at this point. And every other species that the humans have essentially ever come in contact with that even seem like they could compete on an intellectual level, we just decimate or imprison them right you're either in a zoo or you're in a history book that says extinct 300 years ago yeah dude and I, more than that like because i've had a couple of folks on some experiencers that have talked to me about this about those specific bigfoots that live in these like ultra advanced cities and i love the idea that he said that any bigfoot that we actually encounter that we run into in the woods is like their version of a homeless person 
<laughs> he's like Bigfoot. he's some like stinky scrub that's just like living in the woods like by well, himself that's interesting and so we run into him and we find him that's interesting because that kind of reflects like one of the theories that this is more like a mainstream theory about sasquatch that it's actually it comes from this tradition of the wild man where a man in a mm-hmm. tribe didn't belong didn't have a, a wife maybe or whatever so he peaced out left the tribe for good and she was a confirmed bachelor and then they were like get out yeah well and i think it was even more than that because that was maybe more common back then just to go and find more people and find a woman right but i think the idea was even that they would absolve themselves from any other human encounters and just become a literal wild man which in that sense maybe the sasquatch have the same right where they avoid their former groupings and just be on their own for the rest of their life and maybe that's why they interact with humans because they're just like fuck it like i don't need to follow bigfoot rules anymore i'm gonna go by my own rules Another thing that adds to that, like, let's say, like, theoretically, if he is a physical creature and he is living in these deep underground cave systems, that is one of the fun things that we've seen is we've had some folks come on and show us. And it's like, so if you take, like, let's say, like the missing 411, like all these people that are going missing and you overlay a map of the underground cave system, there's a huge correlation. So there's like a lot of people going missing near these cave systems. And right. then what's another fun one is if you slap on Bigfoot sightings on top of that as well. Right. Also a giant correlation. And, uh, so and another correlation be, Thomas just told us about Jakob underground creating these yep. beings. <laughs> Come on now, folks. First of all, I just want to point out the rules of Bigfoot. That's a beautiful phrase. I want to maybe <laughs> title the episode that, but yeah, I... And there are even people today that are born with genetic variations that create whatever follicles necessary to grow facial hair, like all over their face and even all over their body. Right. So it's not far fetched. My my dad, like, <laughs> it was the hairiest. Well, man it, what seen. was it? Mexico but, had the like wolf people. The wolf, yeah, the wolf boys. Yeah, yeah there's the a whole boys. family. But see, I would say that's not necessarily. Bigfoot, because now you've got the hair, but you don't have the size. Yeah. Well, so. they're still Mexican, Thomas. <laughs> Look at me. I'm five. I'm five nine with shoes on. <laughs> I think it's happened. I think it's happened in Eastern Europe too. There was like a group of people that had that trait, the genetic yeah. trait to grow hair all over them. But yeah, you're right. It's not. It's a, a far leap from what a Sasquatch is purported to be. But it just shows how flexible. I think our genetics are in the sense that over a couple hundred years, who knows, like if that was incredibly attractive to women, maybe in a hundred years, a lot more people would have bodies covered in hair. Well, this goes into another theory of mine. I have multiple because I, I can't decide what I think Sasquatch is, but I love this idea. Let's say that Sasquatch is us, that they are our cousins, literally are like another off like we went this way, they went this way. So like, I was just looking it up cause I was trying to, and I'm not going to pronounce his name correctly, but it's Yuri Balzal, Bavali or something like that was the Russian scientist that did this experiment with foxes. And what he did was he was seeing which ones were more tame, which ones were more kind, which ones would come and lick you, maybe eat food out of your hand and then which ones weren't. Right. And so he took these foxes that were more friendly and he started breeding them with each other. 
and he was taking the more aggressive foxes and breeding them with each other. And he kind of separated them. And then as he went, if like if the aggressive one had a nice one, then he would put it in this group and vice versa. Right. And so within like two, three generations, like the nice foxes, their ears started to fold. They started to bend over like this. They started to get spots. They started to like have their tongue hang out of their mouth. They started acting like a dog. And the opposite was true. These ones started getting like kind of gnarly things and started getting like longer hair and started looking like, like almost like little wolves. And to me, it's also very similar. Another example is like every wild boar that you have, it's just like they're genetically identical to a domesticated pig. And if you take a domesticated pig and you throw it, throw it out in the forest, it only takes, I think like, I don't know, like six weeks or something for its hair to start growing like bristly and thick. And they start to grow big giant tusks. They start to get like actually wild. And so to me, it's, I think it's totally possible that like our group, whoever we are humans, like we chose the physical, we chose to like live in this existence. Like we started choosing technology. I think all of these things have an effect on us. Like look at it, look at us right now. I'm like wearing a stupid t-shirt. We're talking to each other on a computer. I'm drinking like garbage beer like like <laughs> the food that we eat like we're sissies dude we're eating like soy products like we're we like you see our testosterone going down and down like we're becoming more yourself. of these little weak soft little people like what if like our cousin out there is just like he's eating like raw meat he's yoked he's like like that's what bigfoot is like mm. to me bigfoot it could very well possibly be our like identical person that just went the other way. Yeah. Like, I've heard this before and I think it's, yeah, it's definitely, it's one of these ways of seeing the world that, you know, not to bully academia, but they've kind of allowed for this compartmentalization categorization of things to where, yeah, we kind of don't really see things as fluid as they actually are because we've been taught that things kind of fall into certain categories and are that way but no it's a lot more fluidity to life and yeah i wonder there's a guest i had on maybe you've had him on reality czars his name is seb bland and he told me a story about astral projecting into a kumbaya bigfoot circle so to your point like maybe there are like organizations of these group like bigfoot and like those rogue ones are the ones people interact with or spot but the truth is that they're underground in like organized cities or who knows what i mean some sort of habitation i yeah, feel man. i've got a dumb question it feels obvious but i'm just curious do you think that all the Bigfoot know about human or if there's even a concept of a Bigfoot out there that's like, are humans real? Or do you think they yeah. all have to know about are us just because we're everywhere? Real? Yeah, little <laughs> are the bald, Yeah, the short little bald ones. <laughs> I think it seems like Bigfoot would have to know that humans are real, but it's humans that aren't convinced that no, Bigfoot's I think, real. I think it's the same way we can have like Sentinel Island tribal people who throw spears at helicopters. Like, I think it could be like that with bigfoot if they're fairly isolated yeah for sure we talk about bigfoot but how many other cryptids do people see right and like those are so few and far between some of these cryptids that we have record of have only been seen by like one or two people tops right and then maybe there's like myths or legends that match up but for the most part 
it's kind of a cliche, but like people fly over the country and they're like, whoa, look how much open uninhabited space there is. Right. So yeah, I don't think that's fairly <laughs> ridiculous to think that there are Bigfoot out there who scratch their heads and wonder if they're the only things out there. Yeah, for sure. I'm sure like there are creatures under the sea who, who think that way. That would be wild if there was like an aqueous big, Bigfoot and the Bigfoot's just like living under the sea and that's why we don't see them often <laughs> i had no idea where you're going with that but okay so like a seaweed man thing bigfoot like <laughs> underwater that makes me not want to go to the lake anymore thomas stop <laughs> Jeez, yeah i think that's partly what has become i guess fascinating about this subject coupled with the internet because you guys are old enough to remember like Ripley's believe it or not being like one of the sources for this kind of information and books like that how many cryptids would they list in books like that back then 10 15 tops now there's whole hundred maybe of cryptids like listed on websites where people can go almost like Irrowid and like see people's you know Loch Ness monster report just like someone can go on Irrowid and find like a DMT trip report like I, it's just with the internet I feel like there's a whole there's a whole catalog of cryptids it almost is becoming like a legit Science. I don't know. That's the problem again with academia is like it's really only the differentiation between like accepted or not that makes cryptozoology something podcasters talk about and not like college students. Would you consider Slenderman to be a cryptid? I think so. Yeah. I think anything that falls under the category of like a being, like living beings, right? It would be an unknown, right? Would be cryptid, I guess. I mean, humanoid, right? Would count. It just, yeah, I don't know. I think even like dream entities and like demon succubus, that kind of stuff. I, yeah, I think that's all kind of within the realm of cryptid, if not precisely well, you can you can yeah. see nate blowing up here because that gets into that concept that bigfoot is a ghost and he is an interdimensional being and he is an extraterrestrial well and i almost could draw a correlation here with like parakelshin monsters mm. and like that original story of lilith where lilith anytime that she copulated with adam it was done in a profane way because she was on top, I think. But there's like all the, yeah, there's all this like occult symbolism to it. But any offspring that Lilith had with Adam couldn't become humans. And this is where demons and succubi and vampires and werewolves and just like all of these entities originally kind of come from is this like story of Lilith, which is not a full human. Uh, copulating with Adam and then you've got like the Parakelsian monsters and it's really hard I, we got to throw homunculus out there right so like Parakelsis claimed that if you made a homunculus but you let it evolve for too long then it would start to turn into these cryptid looking things the little creatures with like one big foot and like a head and all these different entities and it feels like it's in that same sort of realm of cryptids those things are just like medieval cryptids that have kind of evolved over the years and taken on more natural forms where 
Bigfoot feels a little bit more believable because it's like a big ape well, that has human features. You have and like hair all and, the what, like this nymphs, sliths, elves, and like all that the, whole the ca- fey people. Yeah, yeah, that whole catalog of creatures that were kind of like European folk lore. But uh, yeah, it is sort of interesting that these things have taken on a new life even though what outside of bigfoot maybe ufos none of them have ever been captured on film or camera right bigfoot we all i think all three of us can agree the patterson gimlin footage looks pretty fucking real i don't know have you guys heard any possibility that was faked like i've seen the stabilized footage and the stabilized footage looks a little bit less believable interesting Uh, just because it what's well for people who aren't like film savvy what's the difference between stabilized footage versus just the raw real so the raw original one there's a little bit of like because it's a handheld camera and they zoomed in really close so any little bit that the person moves or if they try to keep it in frame it moves around a little bit but if you just take image stabilization which basically means it it acts as if the camera was like set on a tripod or had like like a smooth kind of motion to it once you see that same footage with that stability applied Uh, if someone was like this is just the guy in a suit it definitely looks a little bit more like a guy in a suit with the footage stabilized versus it being kind of shaky my thing is though is like how perverted were these guys to make a bigfoot costume with tits because that bigfoot clearly has womanly features like or female i should say not woman (laughs) my girlfriend might take umbrage with that but feminine features right if you're gonna make a big gnarly suit why not throw some tits on it <laughs> perverts <laughs> furries from back in the day man yeah, yeah just, i don't know prototype it's, furries yeah <laughs> proto furries yeah i love it yeah i don't know man i it looks pretty real to me it is pretty fascinating i've had conversations with people that absolutely 100 think it was real that's the majority of the bigfoot folks that i talk to i'm in a lot of like private groups with with people not furries, but right? There is. I don't know what they do on the rock. <laughs> You're not in <laughs> private groups with furries. Okay, good. <laughs> can I show a clip of the stabilized footage? Yeah, is and I. Kosher? Yeah, go ahead. I'm just teasing for all my furry listeners. I accept you and your kinks. So, can you see this now? Wow. Okay. I've never, I don't think I've ever seen the whole thing from like. The wide shot. I know it. He right. So, so it's not a wide shot. What they did is they took every frame and then they created the full background that you see throughout all the footage. And now you're going to see the stabilized Bigfoot footage now. And it's one of those things where you hear one of those noises and it doesn't sound like anything. And then someone tells you what the words are. And then all of a sudden you can hear it. So it's like, look at this as if it were a guy in a suit. Just open your mind to that aspect. So the stabilized version of it. That's it. That's the whole, that's the whole footage, but it just puts a new spin on it when it's stabilized. And it, no, Thomas, it doesn't feel still definitive. looks pretty real to me. <laughs> now, now see now where I'm a little confused and for the audio listeners, I apologize because this probably won't make any sense to you. So yeah, go no and, and watch the Rockfin version of this to see. Maybe this will be on YouTube. We haven't said any weird. You can just Google stabilized Patterson Gimlin footage too, and you'll see okay. a bunch of versions of it. Yeah. 
Well, it, I, yeah, I guess I've just never seen this like this. I'm used to like seeing it where it's like more zoomed in on the subject of the what's being filmed. I guess when you stabilize footage, you're kind of like you explained, it's like taking it and putting it on a tripod. So that explains why it's not moving the way I'm f remembering it move. But yeah, I agree with you, Nate. I still kind of am convinced by that. But I guess I'm leading around to this point, which is like, what if our camera technology, the way it is now, because film is different, right? Maybe there's a discrepancy here in that case. But I wonder if the technology itself is preventing us from seeing these beings that we can see with our own naked eye because it's Thomas, just I get the exact opposite. The original looks more like a guy in a suit than the stabilized version. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but what do you think about that? Like with the technology we're using, you think there's any anything that obviously a human being has a soul and a camera, I imagine, doesn't, right? So it's just a tool. So like, do you think there's that capacity where we're just not able to capture these things on electronic devices? Like, like a digital versus analog? Yeah, I yeah. think that these entities, whatever they are, physical or spiritual, I think they can choose whether or right. not to be visible to us. Yeah. And so if that was an actual Bigfoot and it was caught on film, it allowed itself to be filmed. Mm. Or maybe this was like new technology that it had never run into at the time. Right? Well, and the other and so, thing with that is that whole area that was the stage, if it was faked, was like a recent flood, right? There's a recent flood that came through the forest. So that's partly why they're explaining that. Like they were just on their horses seeing the damage and they stumbled because their horses got spooked because here's this Bigfoot, which is probably normally used to being under tree cover. Like, yo, what the hell just happened to all my trees? Maybe he was the Sasquatch in question was just distressed. And that's why it wasn't like telepathically blocking or using its invisibility cloak powers or whatever these things can do. Yeah. Or that, wiped out their advanced technology. Well, yeah, that's the thing is there was, there, there was a different tool in use then they're using di totally different technology with the analog film, as opposed to today where we have these electronic batteries and lenses and wires and all the other things that are inside of cameras or phones or what have you. Right. Yeah. I wonder to your point, like the, they just, they're able to like block a, out maybe totally electronic and devices. Cause they're just telepathic like that. Pardon my tinfoil hat here. I'm going to put one on here for a minute. If the elites do know about these creatures, right? We do know that like all of these different companies, let's say like a cell phone company, they're all forced to have like back doors put in them, right? Like the government says like, absolutely. There's no like actual real end-to-end -end encryption. The NSA doesn't allow that stuff to happen. So if you have a cell phone company, like even Apple, I know you think your Apple is actually secure. It's not. They can see every single text message, every single like wiener pick that you took. It, the NSA has, okay. <laughs> There's nothing secure with any kind of technology that we have. So to me, it's fascinating. Like if the government actually knows about these creatures and they don't want them to see, and they actually know the frequency, which with these creatures, like let's say they kind of live at or seen at maybe our cell phones 
can't. You know how there's always a glitch. They never work. Like if there's like a backdoor built into all of these new devices that if Bigfoot's around and you try to put a camera up, it's not going to work. It's not going to work on that frequency. I like, I think that's kind of a fun idea that the government makes your technology not work when Bigfoot's around. You're not going to catch it. Yeah. That's only the perfect government employee. And what you were saying before about Bigfoot being able to detect, like if you've got a weapon or if you've got ill intentions, they sound like the perfect, if you're pulling your phone out, well, they're the perfect TSA agent, bro. Just like hire a Bigfoot (laughs) as a TSA and you don't even need to do any of the air blowers or the x-ray machines. (laughs) No. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, dude. I think they can read our mind. I, I think maybe know how, maybe at the Denver do. airport they would get those Sasquatch <laughs> TSA agents. I mean, maybe Bigfoot's actually in charge, dude. Maybe they're the hand behind the puppet. Well, if they can hide yeah. it, how they appear to you, then how do we know they can't just shape shift into a human, right? If they can block out their appearance maybe they can control I mean, you're how we joking, perceive but them. i'm not <laughs> no I, all of this is open to speculation i think some people would laugh at what we're saying and not take it seriously others will and i appreciate the people who do because that's the forward thinking crowd that some of them might be crazy i think others are actually the next geniuses that just haven't been recognized yet. That's right. You, my listeners of my podcast, you're all geniuses. It's just waiting. Especially anyone that just signed up for the Patreon yes, right now. You're, you're an extra genius. <laughs> if you're, well, if you signed up for the Patreon, you have genius fuel, and you're actually going to become a genius even faster. So, yes. <laughs> Thank you, Thomas, for reminding me of that. But, yeah, I think there's something connecting. To bring it back to the Nephilim thing, There's something connecting all of these because, and I know a lot of the Nephilim talk is Christian-centric. I'm not particularly Christian-centric with all of my views and values, but I definitely have a respect and appreciation for that. But it did seem like the idea being conveyed on this podcast was that the Nephilim are the same thing as these fallen angels, and they're able to possess human beings, right? And that's how a lot of these encounters are described, people walk away feeling very haunted in a lot of cases. Not maybe Bigfoot, where people have like a presupposition to have some awe for this being potentially. But I think a lot of people who run into Bigfoot and aren't expecting it at all are completely struck with fear, right? So... I wonder if there's an element to that where these beings are just possessing us and that's why they're able to appear however they want. There's some fascinating, like, just concepts and ideas with that. Like, as far as, like, we were talking about this silly, but maybe Sasquatch actually being in charge, right? Just something like that. I, I think about the different elites that actually claim to have like their blood ties go back to like the Nephilim that they have, they claim to have blood ties and tie them back to Jesus. Right. And all these like interesting little ideas. And it would be kind of fascinating if some of these elites had bloodlines that tied them back to the actual Nephilim. And that was something that, that could actually be very real. And the last thing you were just saying, possession remind. Oh yeah. The possession of that's a fascinating concept too, is, as like thinking about maybe the 
You know what? If I can jump in real yeah. quick before this analogy escapes me, I know Thomas might be familiar with this. Maybe you are too, Nate. But in the X Men, they have the danger room, right? The danger room like creates all these things they got to fight, right, to train them, right? And uh, the danger room at the some point for me for Star Trek, right? That's what well, I'm thinking. the yeah. danger room eventually becomes like an entity and like fights them, right? It's its own being and fights them. So what if it's kind of like that, where these places that a lot of people don't live in and don't go to often have like a consciousness of themselves. And when you enter into it, it's not necessarily like appreciating that and shows you maybe what you're fearing to get you out of there, right? So it creates this vision of a Sasquatch or it creates this vision of a Loch Ness monster or whatever. And you witness that exchange emotion with that and consciousness and then leave, which is its ultimate goal is just to get you out of there. That's kind of one way to look at it. Maybe there's another aspect to it that's more sinister, but do you think that could be possibly what's going on? Well, Thomas, the, what the heck is the name of things that like we create with our minds? What, egregores. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, egregores, right? Egregores and thought forms, yeah. And thought forms and th- things like that. Because like, like, when you were talking before, Thomas, when you said like, hey, is Slender Man, do you consider that a cryptid? And you were like, well, all things that might be real or that might be alive or something like that. And I was just like, well, what is your definition with that? And to me, yes, very much like an egregore, like the whole idea when you were talking about like maybe a possession or a place like that. Like you were talking about the fighting room or whatever it was. Like, I think. Danger uh, like room. Very, Get it right. Yeah. I'm a different kind of nerd. I was a sci-fi nerd. So to me, like any sort of like high energy, like haunted place that people have put, like people have put energy into this place. Like they, they consider this place haunted there. I think that very much you are creating the haunting. Mm. So yes, I, I absolutely believe in this It's almost like a thought form. Like I think that we create these entities sometimes I think it's possible. Or I like the idea that there are these like neutral entities that kind of just float around these interdimensional entities that like that are feed off of our energy. Mm. And that when we are like, like, like so many times, like we've had these conversations with folks talking about like hauntings and different things like that, where somebody will like, for instance, like there was this group of like geeks that were like playing like a, we were playing like a D and D type of game. Right. And they wanted to see if they could like create a haunting. And so they like gave this like entity different characteristics. They made it like a D and D character. They're like, okay, he's like this. He's like this. He's like this. He looks like this. He sounds like this. He acts like this. And then, over time, all of a sudden, this thing starts interacting with them, and they actually create a poltergeist. They create this entity that starts interacting with them and starts freaking them out. And so, to me, is it that they created it and it's in their mind, or was it an entity that like saw them doing this and creating this energy, and they're like, "Hey, I can play that role," and they step into that. Like so many times, I think about like if you are focused. Let's say your grandma just died. And you're focused on her name. You just, you're like looking through old pictures. You're looking through her diary. You're thinking about her. And then these people have these interactions where they think grandma is coming back and interacting with them, talking with them. Like, I think that these entities like feed off this like energy, this, these feelings. And they're like, Hey, I could play grandma for a while. I could like absorb this person's energy. 
this is like every whatever. Ouija board movie that's ever come out from which board in the eighties, all the way to the modern Ouija, where it's usually a spirit that's lying. It's like, Oh yeah, I'm little Johnny and I died in yeah. this house. And, but it's really like, like a serial killer that killed little Johnny. So when me and my son and my friends my and Ben, when we were all sitting there and we were holding hands and we were sitting there trying to psychically communicate with Bigfoot, we're, if we were looking for Bigfoot, would we find him? And would it actually be Bigfoot or would it be some sort of being that would come and play Bigfoot for us? And uh, that's kind of what I was thinking about as you were saying that, like when you go out into the field where these things occur, what type of mindset creates those encounters? I, I, it seems like more often than not, the people who go looking never find it. The people who aren't expecting it have these scary encounters. I wonder if like Darren Brown, the mentalist, like if he went out and like hypnotized a bunch of people and then like that maybe somehow like got them in the right state of mind to receive the Bigfoot. You know what I mean? Like I want to see that special, the Darren Brown Bigfoot special. <laughs> he creates a, the first ever Bigfoot caught on film encounter. Like That would be pretty impressive if he could pull that off. I'm curious too about other overlaps between Bigfoot. Like for example, do demons exist too? And if demons exist and Bigfoot exists, could there be such thing as a possessed Bigfoot? Right. Or do those worlds not interact or would it I be think, incompatible? I think they're Bigfoot. Yeah. I get think, haunted by a Bigfoot. I think yeah, they're like, Bigfoot. That would be yeah, a sick one. I think they're definitely accounted for a Wendigo and then not to be confused with Skinwalker, which is similar but different, right? So. Those certainly sound like variations of Bigfoot, or at least variations of this sort of type of cryptid. Even Chupacabra, I've heard described as similar mm. to a Bigfoot in a lot of different ways. And what's the red one, too? The red... Mm. The, the man-eater. The man-eaters, yeah. Yeah. Which are like the mean I've version never heard of, of Bigfoot. So there are red Bigfoot that people have seen? They're blood Big red? red eyes, kind of orange red hair See, uh, this is funny because we were like he's in joel because he's talking about the nephilim and the giants and he's a big redhead and but it's just funny yeah i mean like the big angry giant red bigfoots they're supposed to be about 10 feet tall and yeah. they're supposed to eat people and to me that also ties back to some of the native american lore where they were talking about these big giants that they would interact mm. with and these giants were cannibals they would right. come in they were the mound builders. They would and they would rape women and do terrible things. And they would come the, in uh, and eat people. The Paiutes have to... a, a a legend about killing, according to them, the last one they ever saw yep. by burning it in a cave. But these were apparently like white skin and tall with red hair, which I yep. sort of thought of Vikings when that was said because there's here at least in New England a ton of evidence that Europeans traveled from those countries in North Scandinavia and those areas, Iceland. Dude, again, to me, this speaks about like, uh, to me, uh, this speaks about where I, there's some lore about how Jesus and Mary actually came from like the Caucasus mountains. Like they were actually from Russia. They came to the middle East and they were these big hairy. They could have been these big white, the European hairy man, the European wild man. Like to me that like it, way that they were described, they were hairier, they were bigger, they were like enormous to to the average person. I don't know, man. It, it's so fascinating. I think that there might actually be a correlation to these big giants from the north 
being the Sasquatch. That's when you told me like a while back, I think the last time we talked, you told me you're six foot eight and I told you might be part Bigfoot and you were like, <laughs> Hey, <laughs> well, I have my paternal genealogy figured out when we come from Germany pre 18th century folks. Okay. From Germany, but yeah. What? Well, Germany has its own versions of Bigfoot, actually. There oh, was gosh. a Tell us about it. So there was a book, 1893, written by President Roosevelt, Theodore Roosevelt, mm-hmm. and it was called The Wilderness Hunter. And in this book, he recounts a story that he heard from this bowman out in the woods that actually talked about a, a large, foul-smelling, hairy, bipedal creature that was stalking them. And he recounted this, and then Roosevelt said that part of this story might be because this trapper that he heard it from came from German ancestry and that there was some other German folktale about like a smelly bipedal creature that would stalk hunters. I don't know any other context about what they called those or what that folklore was from, but it's just fascinating to me that in a book written by the U S president is also giving credit to these, these Bigfoots and Mm -hmm. Teddy Roosevelt was like an outdoorsman. He was the guy that was out doing all this stuff with the Rough Riders and the everything. I don't know, man. I feel like it's not just the oldest material. And I don't want to say like appeal to authority. But when you have so many historical accounts written by people that had credit citing this stuff, it makes it harder to discount as just like a silly 80s movie. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's interesting. A lot of Germans came through and immigrated to America for like from the beginning of that whole movement. But I'm pretty sure Germany, they don't have a lot of predators even in that country. So I wonder if that's something that makes their lore different. Like they have more like man stories of rather than beasts because like there aren't a lot of like predators in germany aside from maybe like bears but i think they've killed all the like major predators in that part of europe just through like periodic hunting and slaying of them so there is a german word that's more of a catch-all almost like cryptid called bootsman and it basically it's a stand-in for goblins and dwarves and mm. but there's also a particular type which is a giant black man mm. which kind of sounds the most similar to like this bigfoot creature mm. i thought you're gonna say kind of sounds the most racist which from well, a- germans being afraid of big black men <laughs> yeah it kind of it fits it tracks theoretically you could have a giant black man from africa walking through europe that is a real <laughs> fear right like they could walk that they could take that journey they're strong enough too but yeah wow that's interesting. I, I think it's where Boogeyman comes from, too. The same. Well, concept. there is a whole lore, or I hate to call it lore, because we know these people existed, but the Moors were fabled in Europe as like these magical people, Africans who came with like all this knowledge. They even have like celebrations of the Black Madonna in certain parts of Italy, where they have like basically a Black Virgin Mary that. They depict it as like deity to worship as it. And this is where you get into like the curse of ham and the curse of ham is supposed to be what gave them black skin. Mm -hmm. What ham did is he's the one that walked in on Noah when, and I, the interpretations, one is that like 
he basically assaulted Noah sexually, like his own dad. Mm. But the other interpretation of this one, which is really fascinating, is that he walked in on Noah performing magic and was able to derive all the secrets of magic from Noah. And that's why he got cursed. And that's what the whole curse of Ham was. And that the black skin was like it was punitive based on some of like the old biblical translations, but that goes into the Moors, the black Moors having access to magical knowledge Mm -hmm. and that they were sort of looked down upon because it wasn't biblical, right? It didn't fit within the old Testament to know about magic because the, uh, the Shepardic Jews were essentially fighting with the Canaanite gods and the storm gods and just sympathetic magic in general. So they were trying to, push that on its way out whereas the black moors i think that they were still more embedded with like the canaanite religions and the carthaginian and phoenician religions and you bring up noah which kind of i know noah anki and enlil i'm pretty sure are from the same time period maybe noah came after anki and enlil right but oh. noah might have been based on and much earlier precursor just like moses might have been based on a person called mysis mm. and mysis dates back to like closer to canaanite and egyptian and sumerian well i bring up anki and enlil because i'm almost certain one of them was described as like a hairy being right unless i'm thinking of a different myth maybe i'm thinking of of gilgamesh and his friend but i'm pretty sure enki and enlil right weren't they two friends one of them was like a prince and the other one was like a wild man who was like strong and did all kinds of like crazy acts of strength and then they kind of no am i just think that was gilgamesh (laughs) Yeah, that was Gilgamesh. I think it might have been Gilgamesh. Well, either way, here's another example. Maybe it's not. I think the majority of these stories are all telling one story. Yeah. I'm looking to Thomas to, like, save me there. I think think Gilgamesh, I'm getting a little bit rusty on this, but Gilgamesh was considered one of the Enlil. He's like a demigod. Right. So, uh, so the Enki and Enlil were actual gods, but they also represented almost like a class of gods, almost like Lilith represented like a particular being, but also Lilith came from the Lil, and the Lil were all of the wind deities and wind creatures, and it didn't necessarily mean a specific one. It's just that Lilith came to be known almost as like the queen of the Lil. Enlil also came Mm -hmm. from Lil, so Enlil also represented like all of these supernatural ghost demon style creatures just like the same syncretism which would take an old canaanite god and then get absorbed into the greek pantheon then it get absorbed to the roman pantheon i think it, it follows that same sort of flow i've never heard about enlil or enki being hairy though i actually want to look that up because that would be pretty awesome well now i have Direct evidence that my girlfriend is meddling in my bookshelf because I can't Uh-oh. find one. <laughs> now I, I can't find one of my favorite. I got one. So it says, based on the sixth tablet of Enki, I don't know what that means, but it says, Enki is described as a hairy bipedal creature discovered in South Africa. You know what's fascinating, too, with the two brothers, right? One being Harry and one being not. I love the story of uh, Thomas. You're going to have to save me again here, too. Levi, right? Oh, Elphus Levi? Well, the biblical story, right, with Abraham and Levi. 
in him having to choose a son. His brother, and I have to look it up. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm I, I reached for my book, The Secret History of the World by Mark Booth. Couldn't find it. I think it's at my other book location. Not this here. is interesting, too. There was another Mesopotamian deity called Lamu, which mm-hmm. translates to the hairy one. Oh, you know so. what? I am thinking of Gilgamesh. It's Gilgamesh and Enkidu. Enkidu was the hairy friend of Gilgamesh. Yeah. So very different. That's what I thought. Yeah. Mark Booth writes about that. I should brush up on this and read it again. But yeah, it's interesting there that there's that component to that story that Enkidu was this hairy being, right? I'm sure. <clears throat> and the 50 llamas, which were the hairy ones. That's actually the concept of Bigfoot. Once you take it out of, I guess, middle America, right? It gets more fascinating because when it's in middle America, it just feels like drunk Ozark Appalachians that are had too much moonshine. They thought they saw something and they start firing at it. But when you mention like the Enki and the Inlils and the Sumerian concepts, and then you've got the Tibetan Yetis, and then you've got the Native American versions of this, there's clearly an archetype of this big hairy and i think you're on a something wild man and i wanted to mention too just like nate mentioned the that domestication experiment where if you domesticate an animal it starts to take on completely different traits it almost changes visually the ears flap down they look like dogs they get spots there's a rosicrucian concept that the longer a human being stays close to a domesticated animal your human consciousness starts to rub off on them so they actually start to become more and more human over time and that's where people are like my dog is a person it has a human personality and that certain types of domesticated pigs and cows and things they can take on these attributes just by being around people long enough so there might be an inverse version of that that if you remove yourself from human influence and you remove that human consciousness rosicrucian speaking that a wild man might become more and more wild not just because he's raised by wild animals but because they're not getting this almost like osmosis of the human consciousness spread into them or just like rubbed off on them and this also goes into the concept of like feral children right like what's the movie not Fargo, but the one where Jodie Foster grows up in the middle of the woods and she can't learn English. And there's a lot of really interesting studies, some of them discredited, but there was one in the late 90s. I think it was either called the bimanifold brain theory or the bicameral brain theory. But it basically stated that by the time a human is like three or four years old, if you've trained them to act like a feral animal, like if they're raised by wolves, the same part of the brain that develops. And once you get to a certain age, it becomes harder to learn languages. So I think when children are like before the age of four or five or whatever, they can absorb information, learn languages faster than any other point in their life. Well, if they live as a feral child up until that point, there's almost like a point of no return where the brain becomes almost hardwired to become more of an animal. Mm. And this is where you stay on all fours and you can like actually develop the ability to eat raw meat and digest it more so than if you were raised in like store-bought foods. But I just feel like this almost gives credit to the idea that if 
the Bigfoot is a wild man that separated himself from human civilization, it might be that severance that makes him the wild man just yeah. as much as like nature turning him into it. And if a wild man raised wild men, then you could have an entire civilization of wild men and their characteristics, their appearance, everything could more like, because they say that we share like what, 98% of our DNA is similar to like a chimpanzee or something like that. I ain't come like, from no monkey. <laughs> oh, so there's that whole idea too. Like, let's say that there is like a monkey or an animalistic like traits in us. If we started, I don't even know if revert is the right. Well, dude, altered states, right? This is exactly what of, happens in altered yeah. states as he goes into the isolation tank and he comes back out and he's like a werewolf dude. Yeah. yeah. And the story, Thomas, the one that I was talking about, I said, Levi, I'm retarded is Isaac and Ishmael. That's the ones that I was talking about where the biblical story of the father, yeah, the, the binding of Isaac. Yeah. Yeah. So like the whole idea that it was the idea that, Abraham had to choose a son, right? To take his, to take his, his birthright, like the wealth, his lands, everything. And the older brother was Ishmael and he was redheaded and hairy and smelly. He was a hunter. He was wild. And there was Isaac and Isaac was the more, he was shorter and he was smarter and he was more like, Anyway, he was more like us, right? Well, I don't know about me. He was more like you guys, smart. So <laughs> there's this story where he, his mother helps him and he has to trick Abraham because Abraham at this point is like old and blind. And so he's going to bless one of his sons. He's going to bless him and give him the blessing. He's going to give him that, like the inheritance basically, right? And Ishmael goes and he tells him, like, go hunt and go bring me some food. Like, go get me some wild game. Bring it back here. Prepare a meal for me. And then I'm going to give you the blessing. And so Ishmael says, okay. And he goes out to go and hunt. And Isaac goes and steals the blessing. And he has to put on a sheep's, he has to put on, like, a sheep or a goat wool over him. And he has to, like, rub himself down with some of his brother's clothing so he could smell like him. And so he's supposed to be hairy and smelly. And the dad doesn't believe him because he goes up there, and he, but he's like, my eyes deceive me. Let me feel you. And so he feels him, and he feels the big hairy wool from, from like, a sheep. And he goes, okay, well, it feels like you. And then he smells him. And he goes, okay, it smells like you. And then he goes, and he gives him the blessing. And so his brother steals the blessing from him. And that's where the whole, that's where this idea comes from that biblically they could be, that could be the separation that with the Bigfoot and humans. I love that idea that his brother Ishmael was a Bigfoot. Like, he, like imagine being, <laughs> having to be so hairy that, so you have to put on wool to disguise yourself. I love this. And to be kind of sneaky, kind of smelly, kind of wild, kind of hairy, kind of like, I think it's a fascinating idea. Over and over again, we're seeing these ancient examples of this. And I'm sure if we were literate in other languages, we could find those same stories in maybe Asian cultures. And I'm sure some have been translated, but I wonder how many encounters and experiences happen in other cultures recorded in other languages and just never get translated because they're like oh no we don't want the rest of the world to know we're crazy and believe in this stuff like some of the things that i've heard about korean culture or even thai culture if you've never had peter jenks on your podcast he's a really great guest talking about thailand and all the weird stuff they have there but but yeah it just it fascinates me how 
these things have this kind of conscious nature or there's a conscious nature to the encounter. Like there's, it's more than just the same way you would encounter like a bear or really for a city person or a suburban person, seeing any wild animal is kind of like shocking or awe-inspiring. But to see one of these cryptids, people walk away with like almost post-traumatic stress like it impacts them mentally for and it sticks with them for many years and i think that's another reason why it rubs some people the wrong way and they get this vibe of like no they're that person's crazy it's because that vibe is so like i don't know maybe strong it leaves a bad taste in some people's mouth and it could just be scary, man. Just the whole concept, the whole idea, like for me, coming from like a Christian perspective and definitely with my upbringing and things like that, the thought of like communicating with ghosts and different spirits and things like that, it took me a long time to come around to that idea, even to the idea of actually going on a ghost hunt. And I have now. It's It can be terrifying, dude. So a lot of, the, a lot of times people shut themselves off from, like how many people will shut themselves off from like the illusion or illusion of, or the government, right? That they could have nefarious purposes and different ideas. People are so shut down to those ideas because the idea that the government actually might have, you know, something to do with 9-11 might have had something to do with some of like COVID. Like, I'm sorry, now I can't go on YouTube. <laughs> like things like that. It's such a scary idea that people will just shut down it. Like if I talk to these things to my sister, like she's a good normie. I can sit here and have this conversation with her. And if I start to make any headway, she just shuts down at some point where she's like, look, you might be right, but for my own mental, <laughs> for my mental care, for my mental sake state, like I can't let this idea mm. have any roots because it's a horrifying, it's a terrifying experience. So people, I think yeah, positive vibes only, bro. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dude, she just hasn't fruiters. heard the kumbaya Sasquatch circle stories yeah. yet. That's all. <laughs> it can be scary, dude. When you're first a truther and you start questioning these things, like it can be very, like it can be tough. It can be rough at first until you find other nut jobs like us. And then you can come and hang out with us and we can have conversations. And then you find that there's community and there's people that were willing to listen to you, willing to talk to you. And then you can find community again. And it's not so scary once you find your autonomy in this situation. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, speaking of which, you have a great podcast, a great community for people to become a part of and I don't know if you're planning on doing this, but I think you should maybe organize some sort of Bigfoot hunting event where people who listen to the show can come join you on these Bigfoot finding journeys. But uh, yeah, any final thoughts as we kind of come to a close here? I know you guys have another pod uh, pretty soon, so I don't want to keep you that much longer. You got to get ready for the next one. Thomas, you got any closing thoughts, man? Yeah, man, just that one of my favorite thing, we didn't get too much into it, but one of my favorite dynamics that Chaz pointed out to us that I'm just eternally fascinated, but the gatekeeping within the various conspiracy yeah. communities. And we kind of talked mm. about that a little bit, but for example, he mentioned there was like a haunted house and that the haunted house also had some people that claim UFO appearances would happen. And there's this interesting dynamic where, 
the people that are really into the ghost aspect of the haunted house, if they hear someone's talking about alien technology, they're like, get out of here. Like, we're serious about this ghost stuff. Don't bring your silly alien stuff into this. Uh, and then the alien people are like, bro, we're talking about actual aliens, like science proven entities and technology. Get that ghost crap out of here. People aren't going to take us serious. And then like someone walks in and like, actually it might've been Bigfoot. And then it's like the ghost and the alien people are like, come on, man, we're, let's take this seriously. And the Bigfoot guy's like, what I am. And it's funny how these crossroads exist. And it really does seem that you're either in like one of those camps or you just expect or you accept all of it. Kind of where I feel like Nate's at. It's like, it's an alien and a ghost and a demon and a Bigfoot. And then you've got people that don't believe in any of it. So I don't know. It's a interesting dynamic where, there's infighting between the various sections of like the cryptid and conspiracy and paranormal yeah. communities. And there's not a lot of compromise between them. I maybe will lose some people saying this, but I think that's more indicative of the identity politics era that we're in where everybody has to identify with their hobbies and their interests. And it's such a part of who they are and they need to distinguish themselves from everyone else because you're special little you and you're so important and you need to be heard and you need to get your pats on the back for every good thought you've had. So tweet it, tweet away. Don't tweet more than 8,000 times a day or else Twitter's going to shut you down. Who the fuck is tweeting 8,000 times in a day? That's insane. I don't know why people were complaining about that. That's crazy. I'd say teenagers, but even now, wouldn't like Twitter be like a boomer thing and teenagers oh are using God. something else? I don't, don't think I tw- I've ever tweeted more than once a week. <laughs> Jesus. But yeah, that's, I don't know. I don't know if the UFO ghost or Sasquatch crowds will ever agree with each other. But I think everybody who liked this show can agree that there's a lot of overlap in those areas. And if they'd only look over the fence, maybe they'd see that they're not so different. But that's the case with a lot of different subjects and areas these days, not just the paranormal Nate, any final thoughts? Obviously, we want to plug your project, what you guys have going on. People can find that first episode of Anomaly Hunters on Rockfin, right? But are there any yep. more episodes out? Anything else people can go and look at? Yeah, dude, we've been doing some serious ghost hunting, and it's actually scaring the crap out of me. Like, I come in there super skeptical as far as ghosts. Like, that one was a hard one for me, but it was kind of blowing me away, dude. I don't know how to explain it. So definitely check us out. You can find all of our videos on Rockfin. If you want to check out more of the cryptid stuff that we're doing, more of the ghost hunting, any of that sort of thing, that's Anomaly Hunters on YouTube. And like I said, like we're a fun community. We're fun people to talk to reach out to us. Dude, I just went and grabbed a beer with one of my listeners that had reached out to me. Like I, I do that periodically, like I've done it a couple dozen times at this point and went and got some beers with listeners. So if you want to hit us up, realities ours at gmail.com. I tell people, if you live within an hour of Portland, come hang out with it and come hang out with me. And yes, we probably should organize a Bigfoot hunt. I think that would be a lot of fun. And Thomas, you probably got some cool stuff to plug. What do you got, buddy? 
I'll just plug ParanoidAmerican.com for all my comics and books and definitely check out the new Paranoid American YouTube channel that Mark mentioned. I've got, I've been releasing occult Disney episodes basically every day. And then on the 11th, I don't know when this will air, but by the time you hear this, I will have a documentary on, I'm going to just say Achrome, if you know what Achrome is. It's a documentary on Achrome, MK Ultra, and Freemasonry. And I'm still trying to get it approved through YouTube so I don't get a big nasty red X on my account over it. But in my opinion, it is going to dry up here pretty quick. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's just going to be gone before it starts. But this documentary, I've spent a lot and a lot of time and research into it. And I feel like I've uncovered brand new connections that no one's put together before. And I've also definitively shown that achrome is a very real substance that has a lot of the properties that people claim are just like rumors or legendary. They have mm. it has an actual power behind it. And the connection between Freemasonry and mind control, it sounds like things made specifically for conspiracy theory fiction, but it is 100% real, historical. I cite research papers. I cite scientific medical papers, just everything you could imagine to try and prove someone of the craziest theory ever, but it's all there and it's all true. I'm the kook. Thomas is the academic. (laughs) Uh, We're a good good pair. We have a lot of fun. Check out Reality Zars. Right. Oh, um, yeah. I love it. That's awesome. You definitely got to get that on some other platforms in case YouTube does nix it. And I uh, definitely will. No, it'll go on Rockfin and Rumble and wherever cool. else I can upload it to. And of course, people can tune in to Reality Zars wherever you're listening to this podcast and support these two gentlemen. You've heard them on the show before. If you haven't, go back and listen to our previous interviews and then check out their shows. Until next time. Immerse yourself in the moment, wherever you are, in the now. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for being here. Thank you for tuning in to this very special episode of the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast with Nate Shavoya and my friend Thomas Gorentz, both of which are regular guests now on this show. Thomas and I have done plenty of shows together. Nate and I have done a couple and I expect to do more. He's an interesting guy, nice guy. His podcast is very similar to ours in some ways. He interviews a lot of the same guests we do, but he's a interesting cat, Nate. If you want to learn more about him, uh, I did interview him about him. We talked about his views on agorism and politics and he's actually sent me some really cool books and a really good flavor really good style ipa i forget the name something squatch goblin something like that which is appropriate for this episode so nate's a hell of a guy good dude a friend of mine and uh yeah it's fun to have friends on the podcast low pressure you know we've talked before Uh, The expectations are where they're at, and I just can kind of sit back and ask questions and throw my ideas out there. So 
Maybe you like these types of episodes, maybe not. I don't know. Give me some feedback. I need some positive feedback, though. Uh, Five-star rating and review for anybody new to the show. If you're a fan of the show and you haven't given a five-star rating or review yet, go ahead and do that. Take some time to do that. If you appreciate the show, that helps the show grow. You don't even have to donate. If you just give us a five-star rating and review, I will give you a shout-out. And if you want, for every five-star rating and review who emails me saying, hey, I left a five-star rating and review, I'm going to send you a free My Family Thinks I'm Crazy sticker and a free six-month subscription to my Substack. So go over to Apple right now. Give us a five-star rating and review. Tell us why your family thinks you're crazy. I will read those on the air, and I will give you a six-month subscription for free to my Substack. That means you get all the bonus episodes and you get every episode of the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast at least 12 hours early. We have Patreon as well and Rockfin, but I cannot give those out for free, but I can give out my Substack for free and I can send you a sticker. So please email me at mfticpodcast at gmail.com Somehow, you know, just whether it's your username or you put the rating and review, you know, the text of it there. So when I see it, I know it's you. And then your address. Send me all that in an email and I will send you a sticker. And once I have your email, I'll be able to give you six months free for Substack. So I'll send you the instructions on how that works as well. And after the six months, you don't even have to put your credit card in. You can still remain a subscriber. Uh, you won't get all the bonus content, but you'll get the show, the, the content when it comes out for free. So, but I do recommend you sign up for Substack. It's a good deal for $8 a month. Patreon also is a great deal for $5 a month. You get access to all the bonus episodes I just mentioned. Uh, and if you want both, do it on Patreon. Sign up for that $8 tier on Patreon. Send me a DM and I will automatically subscribe you to the Substack for as long as you are subscribed to the Patreon. So I don't think you're going to play any tricks on me and you know delete your Patreon and then just stay on the Substack. I'll know that you did that. If you want both, I'll give you the Substack for free. You got to sign up for the $8 Patreon so you get both. Because there are some things on Substack that I can't copy over to Patreon. It just wouldn't look good. Uh, the articles and you know blogs, if you want to call them that, that I've written out, you just can't put those on Patreon. So it's unfortunate, but that is what it is. And uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure we can put videos on Substack. It just takes a while for those files to convert. And it's been a while since I've tried it. I know these websites change and grow as they uh, get more users and whatnot. So let's, we'll give it another try and maybe we'll have the videos on Substack pretty soon as well. I've thought about going Twitter blue and uh, putting the videos there. We'll see. If you follow us on Twitter, or if you have a Twitter and you can't find us, it's MFTIC Podcast on Twitter. Um, you can't put My Family Thinks I'm Crazy 
like I do on Instagram because I think 21 characters is the limit on Instagram, which is just as many characters as there is in the words. My family thinks I'm crazy without the apostrophe and I'm. And Twitter, I think, is less than that. I think Twitter is like 16 characters, maybe less than that. So uh, we just did MFTIC podcast on Twitter. But if I get some more followers on Twitter, if we get enough followers on Twitter equal to the amount of subscribers we have, then I'll consider posting the video version of the show or at least the audio version of the show on Twitter if that's a thing people want to do. Um, never really been a, a fan of Twitter. I've never really been a user of Twitter. I never really understood Twitter. I remember when Twitter came out and people would write funny stuff on Twitter. And then I would write funny stuff, what I thought was funny, but no one else thought it was funny. So I just gave up on it. This was like high school I'm talking about. So, um, yeah, I've had Twitter for that long. I think it's the same Twitter. I think I just changed my name on Twitter. Uh, unless there's two Twitter accounts out there. Maybe, ooh, maybe my old Twitter account was taken over by one of those bot things. And Twitter's using me to like vote for... Hillary Clinton or Joe Biden or whatever. Huh. I should go check up on that. So I've got some investigating to do. Um, there's a couple other things I wanted to mention while we're here. I want to give a huge warm shout out to some people who have supported the show in the past few days. I think I already gave him a shout out last episode, but why not one more time? Uh, Christian Cristiano, uh, AK3C on Instagram. Christian. Cristiano. I've never seen that name before. It's an interesting name. Uh, he's a cool dude down there in Kensington, which I have talked about Kensington on this podcast. And funny enough, at the end of the month, I'm having a comedian from uh, Philadelphia, from the Philadelphia area on the podcast. So maybe Kensington will come up in that conversation. I think it will. We're going to be talking to somebody who I'm very excited to speak to. Maybe not, um, you know, unlike other guests on the show, although we have had Sydney Gant and Matt McCusker on the podcast before. So if you're a fan of the Philly comedy scene like I am, um, you might recognize Matt McCusker and Sydney Gant. Uh, go and listen to those interviews uh, that I've done. Matt was on the show way back when, when we had hardly any listeners. So I know that episode hasn't uh, been listened to much. So go back and listen to that. If you're a fan of the Matt and Shane Secret Podcast, um, if you're a fan of War Mode, if you're a fan of Stoner Dads, now defunct, uh, you might like those interviews. I'm a fan. I listen to War Mode, I listen to Matt and Shane's Secret Podcast, I listened to Stoner Dads when it was still out, um, I listen to Dad Meat, hint, hint, I listen to, um, I mean, geez, I could keep going, Do-Rag and the Deer Tag, and I'm just keeping it to, like, Philly people, um, no need for apologies, Derek Gaines and Dave Temple, those dudes are hilarious. There's a ton of podcasts that I listen to, uh, mostly comedy these days. If you want, maybe I'll post a list of 
recommended podcasts. Right now I'm listening to a podcast called Beach Cops. Hilarious. Not for everybody, but it's hilarious. And yeah, I'm about to interview JJ Vance, so stay tuned. That interview will be coming out soon. And this interview was uh, supposed to come out next week, but I offered up an awesome challenge on Instagram to everybody who follows on Instagram. I said if we could raise $300 in one-time donations by Friday, I will put out a third episode this week. And not only that, I'll put out a third episode uh, for the rest of the summer each week, three episodes a week, which is hard to do. It's harder than you think. But I'm going to put myself to that challenge. And thanks to a very kind person, I'm going to call them Pete, because that's in their email. Shout out to Pete, Pete S., uh, he has donated before. Shout out to him. He's a very kind dude. Uh, we also have uh, two donations from the number one sponsor the podcast have, has ever had. That's right. Garrett Blackburn, a.k.a. the man behind the hit kit, the number one way to get lit. He helped fund the extra episode fund, as he called it. And I raised the stakes. Once we got 300 so quickly, I was like, you know what? If we can get to 500 by Friday, I'll do three episodes a week through the fall. Now, I don't think we're quite there yet. I got to check my Venmo right now and see if anybody, because Venmo doesn't notify me when I get a donation. So let's see. Nope, Venmo is clear. Got nothing in the Venmo. And I think PayPal is going to take a while to log into. So I'm not even going to try. I'm just going to assume that we didn't get anything on PayPal because I don't have any emails. Usually PayPal will email me. So, yeah, we are at where we're at, and I'm going to do three episodes a week for the rest of the summer, which is, uh, what, until August? (laughs) So I'm going to raise the stakes again. If we can get to $1,000 in one-time donations by next Friday, I will commit to doing three episodes a week and and that's it forever okay three episodes a week not saying they're all gonna be my family thinks some crazy episodes we might throw a few curveballs in there but for now i'm gonna do three episodes a week till the summer ends and if we can raise over one thousand dollars in one-time donations by friday july 21st I'm going to commit to putting out three episodes a week indefinitely. So if you want to see that happen, support the show. Now's the best time to do that. If you can support the show um, with a one-time donation, you'll help me keep the lights on and fund the next step. Really uh, getting into a better place getting maybe into a van so we can take this show on the road and interview people in person you know those are the plans I have in mind I can't do it without your help so send us a one time donation at Mystic Mark on PayPal at Mystic Mark on Venmo cash uh, cash app is the cash symbol Mark Steves S-T-E-E-V-E-S Jr. and then of course there are other ways to donate through buy me a coffee or ko-fi or cryptocurrency 
Uh, the links for those are in the description of the episode. And if you have some cryptocurrency other than Bitcoin, uh, just reach out to me and I will send you the proper address to send it to. But like I said, if we can get over $1,000 or $1,000 by Friday in one-time donations, I will commit to doing three episodes a week indefinitely. So uh, the $300 that went to that first goal isn't going to count towards this goal. So we're not starting at zero, though, because Garrett, remember, Garrett gave us $100. So we're starting at 100 So we need $900 more to uh, commit to that. So if you guys want to see three episodes a week indefinitely, um, help me out. Help us achieve that goal. You can also sign up on Patreon. That's a great way to support the show. Substack as well and Rockfin for the video versions of the episodes, as I've said before. And of course, the hit kit, the number one way to get lit, use that promo code CRAZY so Garrett knows you heard about him on the podcast. And also you get 15% off at checkout. So this has been a long outro. Let me just throw one more thing out there. I recently went to a comedy show at the beginning of the week to see Kurt Metzger, Jordan Jensen, two very funny comedians also podcasters too you can actually hear me and kurt metzger on a podcast together Uh, i uploaded it to this feed i did am wake up with uh, steve p and kurt metzger not too long ago so i went to to see kurt Uh, it was hilarious so was jordan Um, support local comedy support support comedy it's just it's just fun I'm not going to be one of those weirdos that tells you to go support, whatever. Fuck that. But just, if you're going to go see a comedy, a a comedy, if you're going to see a comedy, go see somebody like Kurt Metzger, who's telling it like it is, speaking the truth. You know, Sam Tripoli is another obvious suggestion for me, but also a great comedian. Uh, Doesn't need any, any promotion from me, but just saying. If you, if you haven't heard of uh, Kurt Metzger before, he was very funny. I really liked some of his uh, jokes about the vaccine. So, yeah, I think people in this audience will like him too. Uh, I think Sam Tripoli and him are friends or have done shows together before. I don't think Kurt's ever been on Tinfoil Hat, but I'm going to try to make that happen. And, yeah, that's, uh, that's about it. That's all I really wanted to say. I think I had something else I was going to... Oh, yeah, well, August 12th, Sam Tripoli will be in Connecticut. So if you are in the New England area and you want to meet me, you want to see a show from uh, a really fucking hilarious comedian, Sam Tripoli, uh, along with Eddie Bravo, who I've never seen Eddie perform stand-up before, but I know he's a funny dude. Actually, no, I have a really long time ago. I think, I yeah, I did see Eddie. So we're going we're gonna to be there. If you want to meet Sam, Eddie, XG's going to be there. Also a funny comic. Come on down. It's going to be a good show. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. August 12th, Broadbrook, Connecticut. That's in the northern part of the state. So come on out. Let me know. Hit me up on Instagram. Tell me you're going to be there. And we'll smoke a joint or blunt out back. All right. All right. Take it easy, everybody. That is our episode with 
reality czars. Follow the reality czars and paranoid American wherever you support podcasts or Instagram accounts. All right. Peace out. Immerse yourself in the moment wherever you are in the now. And they don't know where it's coming from And like a hundred years We went Zarb on before guns Check the facts, check the fed, check the stars Stanley Mines was murked for a water fuel cell car They each they own, you can stick with your own ways But eat the rich, you drink the motherfucking Kool-Aid And I can see the red on your lip stain White skin, blue collar, pure American made Fuck it You can keep your blood soaked heritage And run the soul off the moon landed narrative Yeah my girl thinks that I'm embarrassing My folks think I'm nuts but never question the parenting Stuck in bed so my boss thinks I'm lazy Connecting dots but it's all kinda hazy Good morning in the net feeling like I'm Dick Tracy My pap thinks I'm on American and shady Yeah, I'm feeling unhinged lately Encounters of the fifth kind on the daily You could tell me that the president's an alien It wouldn't phase me My family thinks I'm crazy That I'm off in the deep end One too many Netflix docs on the weekends But check the budget for a military defense Tell me we ain't scared of something not within reason Steel beams, another 1492 And 9-11 was the red, white, and blue And you be lit off the floor, and ain't got a clue All your dreams just shit on a Rockefeller shoes Don't believe a damn thing a politician ever said Ain't one brick left to go up in the Fed They still got bricks of cocaine to make crack Oxy's killing the working class, FDA's whack Talking like this, got kin talking behind backs Too much to unpack, so they talk smack And I'm just trying to converse with my clan But it ain't fan, so I'm here setting up camp Stuck in bed, so my boss thinks I'm lazy Connecting dots, but it's all kinda hazy Good morning in the net, feeling like I'm Dick Tracy My pack thinks I'm on American and shady Yeah, I'm feeling unhinged lately Encounters of the fifth kind on the daily You could tell me that the president's an alien It wouldn't phase me my family thinks I'm crazy Baby, baby, baby My family thinks I'm crazy Maybe, maybe, maybe Just maybe Stuck in bed so my boss thinks I'm lazy Connecting dots with it's all kinda hazy Come on, he get in there feeling like I'm Dick Tracy My pap thinks I'm on American and shady I'm feeling unhinged lately Encounters of the fifth kind on the table You can tell me that the president's an atheist They wouldn't phase me My family thinks I'm crazy Yeah, I think one thing I've learned is You can't rule anything out, so